You're listening to The Road to Philanthropy with Gary Cohn, a podcast series on giving and working with nonprofits. This podcast is produced by Painted Rock Advisors, a consulting hub providing services to the philanthropic and nonprofit communities. We bring together your values and wealth with opportunities to do good work and make the world a better place. What can we do to help you? Contact us at paintedrockadvisors at gmail.com. Good afternoon and welcome to The Road to Philanthropy. Our guest today is Larry Friedman, the co-president and chief business officer of LA Football Club in Los Angeles. Welcome, Larry. Uh, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. You are the one of the hottest teams in the league and in the city, for sure. And uh, I figured philanthropy and sports was a good thing to talk about. Agreed. So tell me a little bit about how, growing up and how you got to be you. Oh, wow. We'll go abbreviated version. The only thing I'll say about my youth was I grew up in the 70s, 80s. And during that time, we had one of the earlier iterations of soccer in America with the North American Soccer League. And Pele was at the New York Cosmos and Gerd Mueller was in Florida with the Florida Strikers and Johan Cruyff was in the league with the Aztec. And then of course it failed, but uh, my family was season ticket holders for the Chicago Sting. So we'll loop it all back to soccer, football as we go along. Went to school in Boston at Boston University, did law school out here at UCLA. Ended up practicing law, which I don't highly recommend, and that could be the subject of another podcast. Got into high tech and then found my way through a guy who knew a guy into the world of sport in minor league baseball with Peter Goober, who used to run Sony Pictures, now runs Mandalay Entertainment, part owner of the Dodgers, co-managing owner of the multiple-time world champion Golden State Warriors, et cetera. And through Peter and his involvement in this crazy idea of giving a second MLS club a second chance in LA, here we are. Here we are. For me, it was this crazy opportunity where having grown up playing the game, and consuming the game and then seeing it fade away and not really take off, even though there were some magical moments filling Giants Stadium back in the day with Pele and others. It was this wild opportunity to get back to this game that I loved and to actually participate both in the growth of the game in the country and taking it to the next level and hopefully the next level but also being able to do something meaningful here in the city of Los Angeles, um, in the ninth district and for the community at large. So right. here we are. All good. A couple of things I'll touch on. Um, my daughter went to BU. <clears throat> so I have fond uh-huh. memories of spending a lot of money in the early <laughs> 2000s. <laughs> yes. Yes. That is, that is one thing that the university does and, exceptionally uh, well. When it's I true, got to, when I saw her first dorm room in Warren Tower, I thought I'm spending all this money and this is where she's living. <laughs> well, sunny 5B, floor 5B in Warren Towers myself. Yes. Well, quite some. I'm one of those few people that was a season ticket holder, a ticket holder of the Aztecs. Outstanding. 
And we were meant to know each other. And we were. And I remember going to the Rose Bowl. There were like 4,000 of us in a big stadium. And Johan Kors first game, I still remember it with my friend, Mike, who has the season seats now with your team and just an amazing talent comes into the league. And now things are a lot different, yeah. obviously. Yeah, no. And I can relate. It's a little different in Chicago because you needed to really pay attention to the ticket because if you didn't pay attention to the tickets, you didn't know where you were going. You could be going to the old Comiskey Park, former home of right. the, the White, White Sox. Yeah. They played at Wrigley Field, home of the Cubs, and they also played at Soldier Field, home of the Bears. And talk about echoes and emptiness, 3,000 people in a 60,000-seat NFL stadium isn't exactly the experience that one is looking for. What was the vision when you built BMO Stadium? Like I'm getting the name right now. B sure, and, yes. And, and created the 3252. Was that a marketing idea or just happened naturally? No. And while our predecessors in the league and their fan base would like everyone to think that this was all bought and paid for in terms of growing the fan base and it was unnatural, it was purely organic. And part of our idea was that if we built a club and for people familiar with global football, the, war, the term club means something. Right. It is not a team. It is not a franchise. It is something much, much more. And it passed down through generations. And why do people in Munich, Germany support Bayern Munich, which is on the front of my shirt? They do it because their parents and their aunts and uncles did and their grandparents did and their great grandparents did. And it's what you do. It's like religion and church. And it's about community and bringing people together. And that's why, you know, the three pillars of the club since its founding in the fall of 2014 were to unite the world city to the world's game, bring joy to people and be a force for good in the community. And in terms of the force for good, before we had a player, before we had a coach, before we even knew where the stadium would be built, we formed the LAFC Sports Foundation, a 501c3, right. and started doing good work in the community before anything else. And I the 3252, yeah, 3252, sorry to interrupt. That was, we announced that we were coming and ardent football supporters started showing up and expressing interest. And they were from, it's like Los Angeles. People were from all backgrounds, from all over the world. Southeast Asians, whether it was first generation, second generation, fifth generation, people from Southeast Asia, people from Africa, people from south of the border, north of the border, all over Europe. And they were looking for something. Football is at the top of the list. When you talk about most popular sports on the planet, people who come to LA from other parts of the world or their parents did, or their grandparents did, they understand football culture. They understand club. And we had the benefit going 23rd in MLS. We had the benefit of asking people. So as we build our organization, as we design a stadium, as we build a club, and as we build a community, what would you like to see? 
what would you like to be a part of? And we took that input and we put it into practice. And you can see that in the safe standing in our stadium and many other aspects of our organization and how we helped get out in the community and build a community around LAFC, et cetera. And now a moment for one of our sponsors. Jorgensen HR believes that the employer's workforce is the single key to customer satisfaction, reputation, growth, profitability, and the ultimate success of the company. Jorgensen works to ensure that employees are engaged, well-trained, and led by owners and management that are passionate about the success of their company and its employees. Jorgensen HR provides outsourced HR on an interim or permanent basis. They provide an audit of the company's HR policies, including work plans, procedures in compliance with labor laws. They provide affirmative action audits for companies that are required by law to have an annual report. They handle workplace investigations for harassment and discrimination among their HR solutions. Jorgensen HR, results-oriented, driven by passion, guided by expertise. Jorgensen can be reached at jorgensenhr.com, J-O-R-G-E-N-S-E-N-H-R.com. What do you find different in leadership, if there is a difference, between sports management and the regular business world? I think that you're, you are much more beholden to a very emotional customer base. I, I have been in the high tech world, system software. We had customers. We had paying customers. I was in a number of internet businesses, helped launch the travel website Orbits. We had paying customers and partners. But there is something about sport where there is a sense of community and family and ownership in the fan base, right? When we were in the system software business, product needed to work. It needed to do what we said it would do. And when the customer needed help, we needed to answer the phone and fix whatever wasn't going right. In sports, it's so much more than it's you're, you, we find ourselves every decision we make, every outcome, most everything we do. And it can be extreme. And also in a world where everybody has a pen, right? It used to be, you don't get in a fight with the LA Times because he who has the pen wins. Now we all have the pen. And so it's been very interesting and much more so than obviously my life in minor league baseball, because in minor league baseball, whether it was at the Dayton Dragons and single A baseball or the Oklahoma City Dodgers and triple A baseball, Staten Island Yankees and New York Penn League A baseball, we didn't control the product on the field. We had a major league affiliate. Right. And that major league, right. They made all the decisions. Who's up, who's down, who's the coaching staff, who's the manager, who plays, who doesn't play. We put on a show and we made sure everybody had a good experience. Now in major league soccer, we own it all. And it is incredible to me how quickly the worm can turn, especially on social media, where if it's not going great, for example, it's time to get rid of our head coach 
who a year ago in his first season, when everybody thought we hired the wrong guy, took us to a supporter shield, winning the regular season. We won the MLS Cup. And this past spring into the beginning of summer, we ran to a CONCACAF Champions League final. Right. But after that, you lose a couple games or you don't perform well against the team that you should really beat up on. And the next thing you know, it's time for the coach to go. So it's a, the leadership has much more um, those touches and those interactions than, say, running a system software business. Right. When, when you look at just attendance-related issues with LAFC, you obviously sell out or all the games for the league, but the CONCACAF wasn't necessarily as well received. Yeah. Well, why is that? I'm, I was curious. I think it's interesting. I think that they're the more ardent football fan has a deep understanding or an understanding of how this world of global football is interwoven, whether it's national teams or it's club. So I do think that there is a fair percentage of MLS fans who don't fully appreciate Champions League leads to Club World Cup. And if that is the moment where as LAFC, in 2020, we ran to a CONCACAF Champions League final in the bubble against Tigres from Liga Max, and we lost. Tigres went on to the Club World Cup, won a game, found itself in the final of the Club World Cup against FC Bayern Munich. And I always joke, that was our game. That should have been our game. Right, right. But other than that competition, you aren't going to play a match that matter. You can play a friendly. We played Borussia Dortmund in 2018. We played Vissel Kobe in 2019. Played Peñarol from Uruguay. All friendlies, but friendlies are friendly. Right. And they look a little bit like a spring training baseball game by the time you get to the latter part of the second half, typically, where you're looking at players wearing wild numbers who you may never see again. In the context of CONCACAF Champions League, those are games that matter against international competition at the club level and ultimately lead to the Club World Cup. So had we been successful in the two-leg final against Leon, we would have been going to this next iteration of the Club World Cup and possibly bumping up against Halan and Man City, which would be a crazy experience. And so I think what happens is a lot of our fan base is more casual. They love LAFC. They bleed black and gold. They're all about it. But then you get into some of these other things where they don't fully appreciate the potential end game. Right. And I also think this time in the bubble in 2020 in Champions League, we started against Club Leon. It was the first time we were in CCL. We had a home game that was sold out, won the two-leg meeting in dramatic fashion, and we were sold out for Cruz Azul that got canceled the morning the world shut down right. because of the pandemic. Right. And part of the, the real interest there was the international competition. And all due respect 
to the Vancouver Whitecaps and the Philadelphia Union, our MLS Cup opponent from last year, we drew them in the second and third rounds of CCL. And people are looking at the Vancouver Whitecaps saying, we play them two times every year. Why the same again? There's that MLS match, right? And so I think that was part of it because the beauty of CCL is the international competition, playing a club from Costa Rica, like we played Alajuelense, or from Jamaica, or for Honduras, or one of the Liga Max clubs. And second round, it was an MLS opponent. Third round, it was an MLS opponent. And I think that took away from it. some of the luster and excitement. And um, I think for me, and I'm really a football fan, so I still follow a British Premier team and I get up yeah, there of course. every yeah. weekend, either I four o'clock in the morning or I tape it. I, depends how I'm feeling. But sure, sure. I've sure. always been into the sport. I'm not sure why. I'm an older guy that grew up with baseball and, and football. And But one of the things about the team is it does have a, a, a flavor and an atmosphere in the city. If I'm walking by someone wearing LAFC gear, you say hi to them, but it's a good yeah. thing, uh, which is very positive. You said when you first started out, you formed the 501c3. Tell me a little bit about my listeners about what you guys do in the philanthropic world and how that sure. is a team. We have a couple of paths in the philanthropic world. One is through our community relations group, which is interacts with and coordinates with our foundation, but is more focused on what our corporate partners want to do in the community. And this is something that has been a really positive development in the two decades I've been in the world of sports, where in more recent times, within the first three topics that a prospective corporate partner in a conversation with a prospective corporate partner, within the first three to five questions, they will ask, what are we going to do in the community together? It's no longer just, where's my sign? How big is it? Right. How many digital rotations do I get on the video boards? What are you going to, how am I going to appear on your website? It, how many tickets do I get? It is about what are we going to do in the community together to try and make a difference and make the world a better place? Also through our community relations arm, and those programs typically are driven by the goals of our partners. So you can see where financial partners will say, look, we want to get into financial literacy because there are segments of our population of youth that are not learning the basics and they would be much better off if they were learning the basics about money, handling money, finance, et cetera. And then you get also through our league, our league has a number of initiatives every year. For example, this past Sunday, when a certain Argentinian national team player was in the building <laughs> with Inner Miami, it it's Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. So the initiative is Kick Childhood Cancer. So together with the league and other clubs in the league, we're out doing work in that vein. We typically do a beach cleanup or some other environmentally focused initiative every year. 
And so that is one avenue of good works in the community. Right. Then through our foundation, we focus on health and welfare for youth in the community through sport. So one of the programs we have been a big supporter of for a long time is a youth leadership program at the Brazil Center in Los Angeles, where it was actually founded by one of our executives before LAFC was even a thing, Richard Roscoe, a priest and a police officer. And the whole idea was to create a safe space for kids to recreate. But at the same time, the idea was train the trainer and you teach young kids to be leaders by giving them a group of younger kids to lead and you impart life skills through the sport of football. And as time goes on, it's a bit of a virtuous circle because what happens is the kids participating in the program become leaders in the program. The leaders go off to college. They come back and they share those experiences. Then they graduate from college. And we've been doing this long enough where you see this, right? So a kid starts in the program as a participant, then becomes a leader, then goes to college, then goes and builds a resume and interviews for a job and is out working in the world and comes back and shares those experiences. So those are the kind of things and then those are important things. That's really yeah. a basis of mentoring, of, of seeing yes. kids being, and I've been involved in that often on my, in my career. My brother was a Jewish big brother 40 years ago. Yeah. He, he's still tight with his little brother, who's now, you know, 35 years old and runs his own business. And he comes back and talks to other people in the same situation. Very important relationship. The other one that I'm involved with peripherally is Colab Youth in LA, which takes mm kids and helps giving them business skills and training skills through high school, matches them up with a mentor uh, for weekly counseling, if you will, or supportive support, which is very important. On the philanthropic side, how do you get a very diverse group of players involved at all in philanthropy or do you? Some of the big stars in yeah. all the sports are philanthropists in one form or another, and they have to be tax-wise too. But how about your team? How do you do that? Yeah, I think part of it is that some of the players come to it naturally because they believe in certain things and they want to get out there and do the work and make the world a better place because they're passionate about a certain subject or initiative. And also part of what we have tried to do in building a club is and again, this is, you know, this is easier when you're starting from nothing, which a lot of my friends in global football don't understand because they've been around for a hundred and some odd years. How do you just start it? But when you start it, you can turn to the first page and you and I just say, hey, Gary, what story do we want to tell? And part of that is creating a culture in the club where there are certain things that if you are going to be a part of the club, no matter who you are, you're an owner, you're a coach, you're a player, you're in the front office, you're in the back office, you help run the stadium, the expectation is that you will participate in some form or fashion. So for example, 
on our executive team, you're required. You need to be on at least one board and active, and it could be the LAFC Foundation, or it could be whatever motivates you and fulfills you by doing good work in the community, save a pet, homelessness, whatever it is, but it's expected. And for the rest of our staff, it's a clear expectation that in some form or fashion, whether it's when the Red Cross is doing a blood drive, whether it's when we were a regional voting center in the 2020 presidential election, right. you're going to volunteer, you're going to make sandwiches, you're going to put backpacks together for back to school stuff, whatever it is. That's the expectation. And as a club, that goes into other behaviors that are expected of players and when you show up and how you interact with the fan base and things like that. And I think, too, we've tried and you're never perfect. Part of evaluating players and whether or not our technical staff wants to go after a player and actually spend the money to bring him here is the, what kind of a person is there? Right. How is this person? Is it a good fit? Yeah. 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 And again, sometimes in some sports with some clubs or teams, that is limited to how is he or she in the locker room? Right. Right. Obviously a good player, but how will he or she mix and mingle with teammates and work with the coaching staff. That is all very important, but that is not where the conversation and the discussion ends with us. We thank our sponsor, Hot Dog Business Growth. Hot Dog Business Growth has over 40 years of practical experience. We've developed best practices for the execution of ideas, professional growth, constructive communication, employee relations, sales strategies, including compensation, pricing, marketing, and much more, such as CEO and leadership counseling, both in the for-profit and non-profit sectors, customer service assessments and training, sales counseling for individuals, sales teams, sales management support, and pricing strategies. We focus on team synergy. Our leader, Joel Volk, has spent years building the type of team synergy that results in positive relationships and improved results. We have a team of 11 consultants working in the profit and nonprofit world. As Joel says, hot dog, it's a wonderful life. You can find us at hotdogbizgrowth.com. That's hotdogbizgrowth.com. It's interesting because over the years, I was very involved in LA back when I lived here before I moved to the Bay Area with the City of Hope. And we had a, a, an annual sports dinner and one year we honored Lyle Alzado of blessed memory, who was, a, yeah. and we brought him out to the city of hope to the children's cancer ward for a half an hour visit. And three and a half hours later, we were still there because he wouldn't leave. And that was like, here's this big, tough defensive end. And here he is doing the song. Right. And I think that's important. I think in the business world today, when you get someone like Mark Benioff at Salesforce doing good deeds in the community, and I was part of the Bay Area Red Cross board for about 10 years and he was involved in that and he built the children's hospital out things like that but all his employees have to contribute he gives them all time off every year to be involved in the community which really makes a big statement about helping each other and repairing the world and all that good stuff so it's really important Um, and look i will tell you that we have a big ownership group 26 30 people they all 
support, 100% participation, the LAFC Foundation. And many of them have their own family foundations, significant pursuits. And you take a guy like Magic Johnson, and this is indicative of this club. It's also indicative of Magic Johnson as a human. Right. But he came out to participate in the announcement when we did a little press event to announce BMO as our new naming rights partner. And he was clear, listen, schedule's packed. Here's when I'm going to arrive. I'll be there for the thing. But then I honestly have to go. And it was fine. And he was leaving, made a stop, came down a hall. Part of that day's programming was some underserved, some kids from an underserved community participating in a soccer clinic. Because one of BMO's big things is access to the game for all. And Magic saw that group of kids and stopped and talked to them for 30 minutes. Well, unscripted about his life. And I grew up one of 10 kids and we didn't have a lot, but that didn't mean I couldn't dream big and you should all dream big. And this is the, the nature of the organization, which of course is the collective of the individuals that make up the organization. Very, very true. Very true. On the sports side of thing, there are also sometimes that things don't go so well for some teams. Uh, sure. Publicity wise, the Dodgers had a, a tough year this year with the pride night thing. And one of the things I've always wondered about major league baseball in general is that they do all these special nights to sell tickets. Obviously there's Jewish heritage night, Mexican night, Filipino night, all this. Does that really have an impact on bringing fans to a game or is it, what's your view of that? How's that for a question? Give me that again. <laughs> All these nights that Major League Baseball does yeah. under different yes. community groups, is that good for the community relationship? Is it good for selling tickets or what's the purpose behind it? I think we do a number of what we call cultural heritage nights during the course of a season. And in a community like greater Los Angeles, where I think there's something like 50 plus embassy and embassy-like presences right. of countries around the world. Why, Gary? Because the people are here. Right. And this year we did a Filipino Heritage Night. We also did an Armenian Heritage Night. And for us, it's an opportunity to do something special. For a group within the community, we do collab merchandise. Our Pat Avilas, who runs our merchandise, goes out and collaborates with artists in that community to create LAFC branded Filipino cultural right. shirts, scarves. And for us, you see how much it means to the people whose culture is being honored and showcased. And it's a really, it's really impactful. We have an Armenian woman in our ticketing group who honestly was brought to tears 
when she saw some of the content that we were putting out to celebrate her culture. And yes, also part of that is we want to have as many people in the community experience a night of LAFC football at BMO Stadium as possible because we believe that once you experience it, you will realize that it is very different from all other sporting events in this community and you will want to come back, including the people who say things to me like, I don't do sports. I don't understand soccer. In fact, I hate soccer. (laughs) I get them to come out and say, give it 20 minutes. And then you tell me whether or not I wasted your time. And we know how that story goes. So I think one part of that is hoping that whatever group it is, people come and they want to be a bigger part of the community. And whatever form that takes, they watch our games on Apple TV. They go to watch parties at one of our bar partners. They come out when we're doing a blood drive or a vaccination clinic or a food drive, or they come back and come, they want to see more games or they realize, wow, Angel City Football Club plays at our stadium too. I want to watch women's soccer. I didn't know it was here, or I didn't know you did concerts here. I was, I will say that your enthusiasm and your excitement about working with the team and doing all that is really exceptional and really does come out into the community. The team has really made a mark for itself in such a short period of time. And you really should be commended for the work of your team and oh, thank you. leadership and everything. Thank you. It's been phenomenal. And my daughter has been to several concerts at BMO and she just recently went with me. Thank you again for the tickets to Angel City. Sure. We had a great time and your partner in your office there gave us city, uh, seats in a suite. That was even better than uh, I could have imagined. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Glad you enjoyed it. We love it. Thank you so much for being part of my show. And hopefully we'll get together again in the future. All right. Thank you again so much for having me. Enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. We want to stay connected with you. Be sure to stay connected with our community by giving a like to our Facebook page and following our Instagram at paintedrock underscore advisors. Our podcast is available on all of your favorite platforms. We'll see you at our next release. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.